0: You're listening to the Money Web Now podcast series with Simon Brown, live streamed every weekday at 6.30 a.m.
1: It's Friday, 19 January. SA Mining production was up 6.8% in November year on year. Frankly, that bodes well for the fourth quarter GDP. Maybe we avoid a technical recession. I'm Simon Brown coming at you live and loud from the Moneyweb global headquarters in Johannesburg, South Africa. On the show today, Mia Krechler from Cougar International. That was a strong Richmond update worth holding, or perhaps one of the offshore competitors. Harris Gore, we're going to be talking around their JSC listed AMC, actively managed certificate, invests into US private credit. Uh, Key thing here, of course, is a Really strong U.S. dollar yield and tax efficiency. Uh, and then thoughts from me on finding and profiting from mega trends such as uranium bull markets and artificial intelligence. This show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. Morning headlines for MoneyWeb. More ships docking at SA ports since start of Red Sea attacks country needs to set up more banking services to meet likely increase in demand in the months ahead. Business day solid first half for BHP despite weaker outlook for metallurgical coal. The metallurgical coal business in Australia had a a tough six months. Uh, There was planned maintenance, low starting inventories and it should bounce back. Morning markets US was green, S&P up 0.9 NASDAQ up 1.5%. Over in the east it is mixed we've got Sydney up 0.1 Tokyo up 1.6%. Hong Kong off a tenth of a percent and Ten Cent down zero point nine percent. Commodities all green gold two thousand and twenty five Brent seventy eight eighty nine platinum eight nine eight nineteen palladium nine forty-eight dollars an ounce, Rand eighteen ninety two, Bitcoin forty thousand eight hundred. Opening call for the top forty, looking for green hundred and eighty points, that's just short of a third of a percent higher.
0: Money web now. On The Money. Also available on podcast.
1: Staying now with uh, Mia Krichler from Kruger International. Mia, appreciate the early morning. The Richmond uh, update yesterday, it's for third quarter to end uh, December and, of course, nine months for the period as well. Sales and constant exchange rates up 8%, cash pile 6.8 billion euros. It, certainly the market liked it. It was ahead of expectations. You'll take on, on on the update. And, and, and Richmond has a stock. Is it, is it worth uh, having in, in, in a portfolio?
2: good morning simon yes definitely a very strong update we saw yesterday and the market liked it we saw a very big bounce of over 10 percent in the share price and that really helped the local markets rebound a bit as well Uh, so yes i mean this has been a quality company for many years they are i can't think of a south african that doesn't have indirect or direct exposure to richmond through some or other way being one of the largest companies on the JSE, so either through your pension fund or either through through some sort of uh, ETF exposure that you have, you most probably have exposure to Richmonds, and uh, not a bad thing. I mean, the luxury goods market has been one of the strongest rebounding sectors coming out of the COVID uh, period, and especially over the last year or so, we've seen a very strong. Uh, a rise in these share prices, also due to the fact that we had a very strong sales uh, numbers coming out of these companies. We had double digits, uh, close to 20%, basically throughout all the luxury goods companies a year or so ago. That normalized over the past year. With the numbers coming out now, people expected uh, that the the slowdown worldwide economic growth that we've been seeing with the soft landing that we're expecting now in the U.S., uh, would most probably have a larger impact on 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 these luxury goods companies, and then a very big uh, area of the market that has been one of the strongest drivers in growth for these luxury goods sectors have been the uh, have been the East and China yeah. specifically. And with the, with the slowdown there, we didn't expect these numbers to be so strong especially the fact that we saw the strongest part of the sales coming from China, Hong Kong, yeah. Macau and that was over 25% for the quarter it shows us that these uh, the individuals from these areas are are travelling locally more so than coming to Europe where the numbers were under pressure and then the american numbers we was also one of the strong uh, sort of the strong drivers coming out of covid and that also normalized a bit, but still very much in line with the growth we saw in sales over the quarter of around eight percent, so still a very strong uh, driver, the American side of of the buyers, and yes, I mean you asked me whether whether Richmond was uh, was still looking attractive or looking attractive at all to have in your portfolio, and I would say definitely. This is an area of the market that's diversified quite substantially from economic downturn mm-hmm. for the for the largest part of the market uh, the rich seem to always have some money to spend on on luxury goods and uh, and when we look at uh, at the diversification of 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 richmond it is more narrow than we see compared to a, a lvmh that has a much larger sort of portfolio of luxury goods than then, then, Richmond. Uh, Richmond's more focused on watches and jewelry. Cartier being the strongest jewelry brand globally, which is definitely a big help uh, during a time like this where uh, people do become selective in which luxury brand they will be buying. So there are a lot of drivers that are positives for for Richmond, and we still think that uh, the the growth would normalise after last the last eighteen months or so. But uh, still, still a GDP multiplier. These companies they 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 give you more than the, than the economy gives you. And with the fact that we're expecting a soft landing and not a a dire recession in the U.S., we think that these companies are still a good hold in a portfolio.
1: Yeah, and I, I like that phrase. It's it's a GDP uh, multiplier. A, a quick follow up on, on on the LVMH. Is it Richmond rather than LVMH, or is it both in a portfolio? You make the point that they are different. Richmond perhaps more niche and more luxury.
2: Yes, you know I think when you when you look at, at the market exposure that both give you, LVMH by far the largest in the in the globe, they they hold over forty percent of the luxury goods. Uh, market mm. and uh, and Richmond only coming in just below twenty percent. So, having this, you cover the largest part of the luxury goods market. Also, as I say, two to quite different approaches. LVMH more diversified their brands also into leather and and clothing mm. and other luxury goods more so than just jewelry. Uh, sort of more, more, uh, more fashion driven, and uh, yes, you'll cover a large part. And I say both these companies, exceptionally good companies to invest
1: in. We leave it there. That's Mia Krichler from Kruger International. Mia always appreciate the early morning, and that's her poll today on LinkedIn and Twitter. Do you hold Richmond? Uh, is it a, a stock that you love? I have it in my portfolio, 10% up, got to love that. Perhaps you missed it. Perhaps you prefer one of the other offshore options. Have your vote, have your say, LinkedIn and Twitter.
3: When you stay invested over time in StanLib's Global Multi Strategy Diversified Growth Fund, your money's in for some smooth sailing. With our global partners, JP Morgan Asset Management at the helm, your money can withstand the pressure and bad weather day-to-day market conditions cause. All aboard? Seek more returns at stanlib.com forward slash more. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorised financial services provider.
0: MoneyWeb now, on the money.
1: Checking now with Harris Gore from Grove Point Investment Management. Harris, appreciate the early morning. Uh, talking this morning around your actively managed certificate AMC listed on the J C for private credit, uh, the GIM Liquid Private Credit Code GIMLPC. As I understand, it, it's investing into, and I quote you here, A diversified portfolio of US listed private credit. This really is it's debt, but it's not the traditional bonds. It's not the traditional sort of bank debt. This really is probably. Probably smaller loans um, for for U.S. corporates that one invests in.
0: Morning, Simon, and, and thanks for having me on the show this morning. And, and good good morning to all the listeners. It's uh, cold, dark, but at least dry London on this side. Um, yeah. So our um, I suppose our business at GrowPoint, we've been investing in private markets since since 2006, uh, pre GFC. they have around 2.2 billion invested across private credit, private equity, and in, in, in the U.S. and Europe, and Yes, when you describe middle market lending in the U.S., um, it is indeed we'd say smaller and mid-sized companies. We tend to focus on say the mid-sized companies. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are companies that are generating EBITDAs of between twenty-five and, and say two hundred and fifty million dollars of EBITDA or earnings. So, um, really, we're talking, I suppose, in rand terms. Um, there are companies with with uh, average EBITDA of around two billion rand. So. In a South African context, probably listed companies, but in yeah. the U.S. context, the, the size of the market, the depth of the market, the liquidity, and 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 scale of the market in the U.S. means that these are these are mid-market companies over there. Uh, maybe another just a, a a quick fact on on the U.S. market, but that middle market in the U.S. is is in itself today probably two to three times the size of the U.K. economy. So you're talking wow. about a um, a middle market kind of corporate middle market in the U.S., which is between six and nine trillion dollar economy. So taken on its own, it's it's the third largest economy on earth. So we love this market, um, not only because it's deep, dynamic, uh, you can get great diversification, great yield, um, a good selection of managers that are lending to it, but also because in the US, that market um, is dominated by non-bank lenders. So when we talk about private credit, traditionally you're thinking about um, uh, non-bank lenders. So these are loans that are made by the likes of Apollo, Ares, KKR, Carlyle, Newmont and Goldman, Blackstone, the titans of, of of alternative asset management. Today, back in 2009, 10, when we started investing in private credit, they they, they were they were a lot smaller, and that asset class has grown a lot. But today, those Non-bank lenders do 85% of this middle market lending,
1: and, and the key,
0: uh, which is very different to Europe. I,
1: I take your point. And the key point here, I mean, you're not sort of managing those loans. You're investing into funds which you're managing. And those funds, as you mentioned, from Apollo, Blackstone, Bain, and others. And, 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 and that gives you flexibility in terms of, of, of where you want to be at this point. I imagine you're also finding mispricing from time to time. Um,
0: Absolutely. So, so so this has been an evolution in our business. So w- when we started investing in private credit, uh, it was really the traditional lockup funds. That was the only yeah. option, uh, the the only really game, in, the only game in town. And those are still, that's still a game in town, mainly for institutional investors. Uh, those lockup funds require kind of millions of dollars, minimum investment size. They have obviously limited liquidity. They generally lack diversification. There may be 50 to 100 loans in, in a lockup fund. It takes a lot of time to deploy capital, et cetera, et cetera. What we saw post um, 2008 in the GFC was a number of these private credit managers went to raise additional uh, capital on the stock exchange. So they listed private credit vehicles that had access to exactly the same loans, but these mm-hmm. were permanent capital vehicles. So listed stocks on the NASDAQ, on the New York Stock Exchange. And in that market, we started seeing an opportunity to really create highly diversified portfolios. So um, where we stand, um, well, I suppose where, where any investor stands, when you're investing in credit, uh, diversification is, is much more important than, say, equity, um, generally because in credit you have – Uh, a limited upside, but full downside. So in equity, you have full downside, you buy a stock, it can go to zero. In credit, you buy a bond or a loan, it can go to zero, but in Mm. credit, your upside is capped by the coupon, right? Um, Whereas in equity, in theory, you can buy these stocks that head to the moon if they lock up to <laughs> AI or some kind of new technology or some kind of new fad. Um, but, but in credit, what we want is diversification. And that was our problem in the lock-up funds. You didn't have enough diversification. Yeah, yeah. Um, the way we invest now via the listed market means that our portfolio contains over 3,000 underlying borrowers. Wow. Um, okay. and, and, and that's across the entire U.S. market. We avoid cyclical sectors like airlines, retail, hospitality. We focus yeah. on resilient sectors. And we really want to focus on locking in that that nice, juicy kind of 10%, 11% floating rate yield with limited downside um, uh, as a result of the diversification. And, and we do that by investing in in, in the top managers um, across that market. So, as I said, Blackstone, Aries, Carlisle, New and Golo. And because the – to speak to your last point, because these vehicles are listed, yes, at times we can invest at, say, a discount to book value. Mm. Um, we, we don't have a lot of time this morning, but for, for the listeners that are familiar with these closed-ended vehicles, they, they raise capital, they trade on the stock market, and they'll trade at a premium or discount to book value. What we find in the listed private credit market in the US is generally they trade around just over one, 1.01 of book value. That makes sense because they're a yeah. portfolio of high quality loans, but because they're on the equity market, often you get this irrational dislocation so movements that affect equity that shouldn't in reality affect credit, but uh, do because these stocks are, are listed on the market and the investor base kind of trades in and out of them with the equity markets. Gotcha. So we, we like that volatility. We, we kind of take advantage of it as,
1: as yeah. part Actually, of trade. actually a, a benefit to it. And, and as you say, around a 10% yield. Of course, that's in dollars. We're buying it on the, on the JSC in ZAR. A quick last question. In, 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 in sort of de- preparing for the interview, I, I was looking through defaults. I expected to see higher de- de- defaults. I saw lower defaults. And is this because, I don't know, my sense is if, if a bank gets a bad loan, they write it off. If these guys get a ba- bad loan, they roll up their sleeves, go knock on the door and say, let's fix it.
0: 100%, Simon. So, so where we think there's a really good fit in this market is that generally these non-bank lenders are from a private equity background. So you mm. have sector specialists in these teams. Now we favor lenders that have big teams, deep benches of talent, and, and importantly, large workout specialists. So they got guys there. If you own a software business or a software as a service SaaS business, they've got technology experts in there that if that business is hitting hitting is running into trouble you've got experts that are getting involved in the business they're working out the asset so yes you may have the default but even when you have the default you, you're you having higher recovery rates so there really is this kind of asymmetric return profile what we consider better risk adjusted returns yeah. whereby um, in a bank if you have a problem loan you sell it I came from a banking background banks want to get out of the loan as, as quickly as possible, take whatever price, write it down, move on to the, the next year or the next quarter. Um, these guys are really getting into those business, rolling, rolling up their sleeves, uh, working out problem loans. And, and therefore, what you see in, 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 in the market, especially with the higher quality managers, is is recovery rates of over 80%. Default
1: rates of less than 1%. Wow, yeah, those are stoking numbers. there. Uh, that's Harris Gore, uh, GrowthPoint Investment Management, the code G-I-M-L-P-C, uh, Liquid Private Credit. Harris, appreciate the very early morning.
3: Your money gives a damn. If it could protest and sign petitions, your money would. But your money can do more than that. When you invest in Stanlib's Infrastructure Investment Fund, beyond getting solid returns, you are helping to build a more sustainable future through job creation, and positive economic growth. Damn right you are. Invest for more impact at stanlib.com forward slash more. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider.
0: MoneyWeb now on the money.
1: Some Friday thoughts from me on on finding and investing into into mega trends, uranium, uh, uh, artificial intelligence. As Mia was talking about earlier, luxury. Um, Key thing, you always think you're going to be late to the party, but if it really is a mega trend, likely you're not. Chatted with Petri around uranium earlier in the week, and, and you're like, oh, but it's already run. Well, sure, but you know, if it's a proper megatrend, a long way to go. Some are hard to really nail down and invest into. I mean, smart cities is that a megatrend? Probably going to become. But how do you get into it? Citrix has an ETF, but it's a very wide uh, definition. Others are easier. Uranium is easy, right there. You know, and the trend is simple: sixteen new power plants, nuclear power plants coming on stream in the next four years. Mining output is down a third in the last decade, and you know, a couple of ETF which makes it nice and simple. Uh, artificial intelligence, perhaps slightly harder in a sense because it's so much wider. You know, It's just arrived, late 22, early days. Suddenly everyone's talking around it and there are you know, you, do you buy the, the shovels which is Nvidia? Do you buy the users such as Microsoft and Meta? Uh, a Nasdaq ETF, uh, the the Signia AI fund to get into it. So it can be collection of stocks or ETFs. I don't like the idea of just a stock. I want that Broader sort of investment vehicle to get into to really catch it, but expect a bumpy ride. You know, expect it to not all be plain sailing. Look at the Richmond price. Look at you know we'll have an Nvidia one day selling off. So know in advance what gets you out. You know, with uranium, it's a case of well, what is the price? What is production? You can find that data quite simple. When when global production starts you know exceeding uh, demand, well then things are starting to to change. But that could be a, a decade off. AI is different. It's kind of like the internet. In the early days, no one had it. Now everyone does. Early days in AI, no one has it. But in time, everybody will. So how do you have that sense of when to exit and how to exit? But certainly megatrends can be hugely profitable for a portfolio. That's it for today. I was chatting with Mateta Tulare yesterday, uh, the strength we're seeing in the U.S. dollar index pretty much since the last trading day of last year. We asked him, we asked you, do you expect more U.S. dollar strength? And ultimately, of course, that leads to Rand weakness. Over half of you said, yeah, is in trouble. A quarter said, currencies are hard to call. The rest said, nope, it'll all be fine. Have your vote, have your say, LinkedIn and Twitter. This show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit Stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. We're live every weekday morning. The MoneyWeb website in the app, 6.30 a.m. podcast, just after 7. Thanks to my team, Eddie, Nobokle, Nicole, to you for listening, my guests for their time. My name is Simon Brown. This is MoneyWeb Now. We'll chat again Monday, AI and Cybercrime. <laughs>
0: You've been listening to another MoneyWeb Now podcast, posted every weekday at 7 a.m. on moneyweb.co.za. MoneyWeb Now, on the money.